Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense, Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Lock Talk Radio. Tonight we'll go back to season past when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and its memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publisher and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Swick Enterprises, and we're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut, home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web app. RedEyeandGreatsMagazine.com It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host. He's a senior contributing writer to Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larkin. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show this evening. Captain, good to be back. Good to, good to be back on the air with you, sir. And we're back. It's the end of May, upcoming Memorial Day weekend. And we've got mm-hmm. a pretty hot, pretty hot stall here, only to lead into three days of rain coming up for the holiday. But anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. Joe, something near and dear to me. And that's third-party grading, encapsulating (laughs) cards. However, in the market, there has been some major moves by PSA. And they purchased a company called Geniment, which is adding some artificial intelligence to the grading industry. Perhaps or perhaps not. Hand it off to you now. Yeah, uh, I think we we uh, we had a guest on Scott Alpaw uh, about a year ago. So the you know friend of the friend of the show, the gridiron grade bump that we gave him. Uh, Scott has a great provenance in the in the hobby. He was an SGC grader. He was in charge of acquisitions at Just Collect uh, for years. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, to say Scott knows you know just about everything about our hobby is an understatement. He's just uh, he's a great great resource. Um, Scott left Just Collect after 10 years and went to work for a startup, uh, Geniment, as you mentioned. Geniment is uh, uh, artificial intelligence. They've got what, what they do is they uh, they do digital scanning. Uh, so you lay a card down, it'll scan it, it identifies what the card is, the year. So there's immediate identification based off of you know its database. It measures the card. It uh, does UV light, looking for you know you know 
doctoring, touch-up, power racing, etc. And then it spits out a, uh, then it spits out, a, a, you know, the data on the card. It's dimensions. It's off-center. It miscut. I mean, just so you, you're not guessing. It's not objective about 50-50 centering. It's it is 51-49. It measures it, compares it to a database. And then it uh, keeps a keeps a scan of that. They call it the digital foot, uh, digital fingerprint. Every card is unique. Keeps that forever. So, like if they grade a card, you know, miscut or touched up, and then somebody, you know, sends that card in a year later to try and ramrod it through and get a, get it graded again, it immediately recognizes that card. It's pretty fascinating. Uh, this artificial well, intelligence. Uh, what What's interesting about the whole concept? and you and I briefly uh, touched base on this before earlier today, what's going to happen to all, for example, the uh, doctored 48 leaps that are going to come to the yeah. market, possibly? Are they going to be discarded? Or are they going to be, you know, obviously reholdered? Or, what? you know, what, what are your thoughts about it? Because I'm saying to myself, this could really upend a lot of very, very yeah. uh, big-ticket cards and make yep. them basically worthless. So, yeah, you're you're exactly right, Bob. I mean, which is why which is why is the hobby ready for you know black and white? You know, a, you know a, a computer. It, it's it's like calling strikes and fouls, or you know, strikes and balls in uh, in baseball. Outcome could do that, right? But I mean, it, it, you know, it's not that. I mean, so I mean, here you have a computer. You know, telling you this has been this has been altered, uh, and SGC does something similar where you know their you know their cards go under a UV light and they can see where, you know, a card you know card had a crease in it, but you soaked it. You know they you know they soaked it and pressed the yep. crease out. You know that shows up under UV light. So does you know recoloring, etc. And and that's why you know we were talking about that. Is the hobby ready for that? I mean, because if you think well, you have a trimmed you know, Sammy Baugh Leaf PSA 8 that you paid $30,000 for, then you send it to them and you find out it, it's actually trimmed. I mean, do you even want to know? Right, right. And, you know, I, you know, I was saying to myself when I, when I was reading this, when, when you, we were looking at this in, this morning, I said to myself, okay, so the hobby for me has now evolved around guys who wait in line at Walmart when the boxes first hit the store shelves only to resell them to the local dealers for double what they're paying only to have the local yep. dealer sell a $40 box of score football cards now for a hundred and a computer grading cards that are going to be encapsulated into plastic forever. That's what our hobby is. Now? I, 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 I am a, I'm a little shocked. I'm a little shocked by it. And I do agree with you. Is the hobby ready for this? And is the hobby going to – how is the hobby going to deal with many cards? Yes. Like you're saying, a, a, 30, a, a card for 30000 is now worth $3, you know? So uh, our heads going to roll. I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. In a way, I'm glad That's why, I mean, PSA yeah. – I'm glad PSA did invest the money into it because they need to. They really need to. And – It'll give them a little, you know, give give more credibility to a card, um, you know, a more valuable card. But in my opinion, it, it just turns me off even more so to graded cards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, actually, I, I don't because, I mean, one of the – I mean, I, I know you don't like – you know, we were being sarcastic when you said something near and dear to your third party. <laughs> I know you don't yeah, like, yeah. you know, encapsulated cards just because you like to, you know, you know, feel, you know, touch, smell. But, I mean – uh, one of the problems with third-party grading is, you know, people slipping, you know, slipping cards by the goalie and getting trimmed cards into, you know, into their, you know, wax or into their plastic prison. But I mean, if that could be vetted out, if you could be 100, 99.9% certain the card in that, in that holder, was, you know, met dimensions, was, you know, centered the way they say it is, and hadn't been doctored or touched up. Wouldn't that make it better? So, yeah, explain why you said that, you know, this makes you, you know, more frustrated with TPGs. Right, right. And, 
you know, I've, I've had so many people over the years tell me, you know, we, we, if and when you ever bring the run to the market, meaning my 48-up base set run, everybody's telling me, you know, you got to get this graded, you got to get that graded, you got to get this graded. And I say to them, you know, that's all well and good, and I know I'm leaving hundreds of millions of dollars on the table if I don't get them graded. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm saying, you know, why can't somebody like a person like me who is not into graded stuff just enjoy the sets for what they are? You know, a memory of football times gone by, and in my in my you know, era, the 60 to 69 era, which to me is the purest era of football, I still say yeah. to myself, why would I want to encapsulate those cards? Let them be free. Let them sit in my eight-pocket, nine-pocket, six-pocket sheets. Let them stay in the albums yep. and just pull the album out and, and look at them and enjoy them and, and, and just be done with it, you know? I and, agree. Uh, I agree. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, if, if I get an, an extra... But, you know, five, ten thousand for my collection. What's what's the point of it? I mean, uh, you know, I, I I would feel bad. I would feel bad. So I took. I'm I'm actually going to probably, if the time ever comes to sell the collection, the run, I would probably stipulate you can't grade any of these cards. You just you're just going to have to enjoy them for what they're worth. And uh, I know some people freak. Well, you know, really freak out when I say that, but that's the way I feel about it. You know. It's, um, but you know, I, I think of the flippers and now I think of this now and I'm saying, wow, if I was a 10 year old kid, I'd have to ask my parents, could I have $20 to buy a pack of cards and I'll get my five cards out of it and look at them and say, gee, can I have another $50 so I can get these five cards graded? You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, a, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a little, a little different than, uh, a little different than before. But uh, get, getting back one the, to this. Uh, one of the positive aspects of this AI is just how much quicker it is. Because you, you, I, I don't know about you, but I've watched the video on how, like, PSA or SGC does it. Right, right. You know, a card that physically, you know, you know they, first of all, they have to have somebody identify what the card is. I mean, you have a human being going, yep, that's a, you know, that's a 77 top Steve Largent. Uh, and then they type yep. that into a computer, and then they print out a label. And that label goes on a top loader, and then that card goes to the grader, uh, and then the grader looks at it. If you have a if you have AI that just scans the card, immediately knows what the card is, and then and then and then measures the card, looks for you know coloring, etc. So now you've just eliminated several touches. You've eliminated a human being looking at a card, you know, you know with a chart in front of them showing what each card is, and then data entering. And then it gets handed off to a great, and then you're printing out a label. It gets handed off to greater now, you know. So the backlogs that a lot of these TPGs are having, can we get rid of the backlog just with this, you know, just with this, you know, AI? Uh, I mean, just anything identifying the cards, uh, you know. You have to have a human do that. You have to have a human say, you know, here's a scan right. of, of of this card, and this is the 77 large and you know tops rookie card, you know. You know, so they have to have that data, and somebody's got to enter it, but getting entered once. And then every year when the new, you know, foil refractor prism pink, you know, halos come out, you know, they have to update that. But, you know, it's, I mean, just, you know, reeling in grading times is a a huge benefit of of this. Uh, You know, it's no longer objective. You you know, you know, you you know, you don't have a, a human being looking at something. I don't know, but it. You know, as as you and I were discussing it, it kind of reminded me of like, if 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 you knew when you were going to die, would you want to know? Uh, right. You know, right. because exactly. well, that's, I mean, if you have a thirty thousand dollar, you know, forty eight leaf card, do you want to know if it's trimmed or not, if it's encapsulated already, or do you just, you know, you just want to want to live in your bubble? Uh, you, know, the, right. you know, that's why right. you know when when we were talking about this, I was like. Is this is the industry ready for this? Question mark. I mean, it's do we want to know if our cards, if our existing cards, are doctored or real? You know, or, or do we not want to know? And do we want to? Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting topic. Technology well, changing our hobby, but yeah. 
I think one thing it's going to put pressure on, even more so than we see now, is an open packet. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of big big packeted um, investors, collectors, lack of a better term, are going to say, "Well, I'm not going to waste any more money now on on a PSA 10 from 1948 because I don't know if it's real or not." But I will, you know, take as much money as I humanly can and buy unopened wax of any sort, any year, anywhere, and get it wrapped and put it away, yada, 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 and see where that goes. You know what I mean? Oh, I see your and, point. Yeah. And, and, unfortunately for you, some people start thinking the more, the more astute ones are going to say, well, what about unpr- uh, printed sheets? From years ago, they're rare. So I got enough, you know, the the hundred thousand I was going to put in this. I'll start buying up uncut sheets now, and put those away, put put pressure on your market. So, you know, where where does all this go? What what you know what what is going on? It just amazes me. It truly amazes me, and um, it's good and it's bad. And I I think the, the 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 flipping of the wax is really hurting the hobby right now, and it's not being addressed in any way, shape, or form, with the exception of Target saying they're not going to sell it anymore. And I yep. really think a Panini that owns every football card printed, basically, is more concerned with just pumping stuff out to satisfy the flippers and the, the box rips than they are with it, anything that has to do with collecting a set of cards that they produce in, in, in a year. And that's the way I feel about it. I mean, you know, you could try marketing any way you want. To me, it's garbage marketing that they're doing right now because I don't know who they're satisfying. They're not satisfying you and I if we want to go into a store and just buy a couple of packs and and break them open. You know? I really, you know, I I, I say to myself, if if I don't open another pack, that's fine. I I got my memories of what I opened. They're good memories. I enjoyed it. But you know what? I'll be darned if I'm I'm gonna you know play this game to uh, you know pay an inflated price so that some uh, you know flipper guy who's got nothing better to do with his life driving from one Walmart to another cornering the market <laughs> on unopened wax, and I blame I blame the dealers at the same time spending the money and buying it from them too. So not a good situation, but. It's 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 this gentleman. I think gentleman uh, is going to really, I think, down the road, um, revolutionize a lot of things. And then there's going to be a big push now for more AI in the market. And there's going to be a lot of other startup companies down the road trying to come up with the technology yeah. and doing the same thing. Yeah. While I sit and read my Green Bay Packers yearbook from 1965 in peace. <laughs> In peace. All right. Our special guest is here, and I'd like to move on and introduce him. Our special guest tonight has been a guest on our show back in 2012 and 2017. He's the author of seven books and is currently working on a biography of Branko Nagurski, which is scheduled to be published in August of 22 by Roman and Littlefield. He was a former writer from my old Bob Slick's football time newsletter in the 1990s when he was a grad student. And today he's the head of the research library at NFL Films. I'd like to introduce a good friend of us, of ours, and of the show, and then of the magazine, Mr. Chris Willis. Chris, welcome to the show this evening. Uh, thanks for having me, uh, Bob and Joe. It's uh, good to be back. Uh, it's uh, always great to, to talk to you guys. 2017, you've only been on, Bob said 2012 and 2017. I was like, man, it seems like we talk to you all the time. That stunned me. I remember talking about your your, your great book last time. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, time time does fly, you know, but uh, it's always good good to talk to to, to Gridiron Grace. (laughs) It's a mix. It's amazing. Snap your fingers, and the time just flies by. And, and when um, you brought up on brought up on VFC the um, the mailing envelope from the old newsletter, 
man, did I really bring back memories for me. And I'm saying to myself, wow, that was almost 30 years ago that I did that newsletter. And um, you, you were there in the beginning and literally to the end. And I, I do appreciate all your efforts. And uh, that, that was, a, that was a, definitely a labor of love back then, doing that oh, newsletter. No, and, yeah, it was great and, to be a uh, part of I, 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 when, when I When I saw VFC and somebody had mentioned, I was like, oh, I, I think I still have those. And, I, you know, so it was fun <laughs> to pull them back out, take a look at them. And like I said, yeah, they're all – I don't know why I kept them in the envelope. Like I have an envelope for every one. Like every issue I got, I just kept in the envelope for some reason. And, you know, so I, I, all those early issues, they still have my old address, you know, from grass. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was very fun to be a part of. Wow. Well, that really – and I, I didn't even save an envelope. I mean, I got, I got the full run of issues. And uh, I got some of the some of my notes from some of the the newsletters, but man, oh man, see that envelope again. I had a friend of mine designed that logo many many years ago, and uh, we used it for a while, especially for the envelopes. So that was good, good memories, good memories. Chris, nice. hand off to you. Please tell our audience how did you become a fan of football and football history. Um, well, that's an easy one for me. You know, uh, you know. Growing up in Ohio, it's kind of almost, um, you know, you're born with it, <laughs> uh, especially Columbus, Ohio, you know, right near Ohio State. And, um, but the majority of, like I said, you grow up Ohio State, you know, you learn about Ohio State football, uh, but also that my, my dad owned a used bookstore, you know, for 30-plus years in Columbus. And uh, so hanging out at his store a lot, you know, I would always gravitate to the sports section and, uh, and for some reason the football books, and you know, so – uh, so when you combine, you know, starting to learn about Ohio State and you're watching football and, and, you, and you feel that sort of passion there in Columbus, you know, with reading about it, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, camping out there and reading, reading, you know, any football book I could get. Because usually, I mean, even now, it tends to do that too, especially used books. You can find football books for like a dollar. They weren't expensive. They weren't the, you know, the best sellers, you know, the, the, you know, the, the Charles Dickens or, you know, old sort of best sellers that you had to spend a lot of money to get. Um, it was very cheap to buy football books. So, uh, so that's where sort of the, the early part of, of becoming a fan and learning about history, uh, you, know, you know, through, through my dad's bookstore. Well, I could ask you a little off script. Okay. You, you obviously have a library of, of football books, right? I would assume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what's your estimate of how many books you actually have? Do you have any uh, idea wow. or? Yeah. Oh my God. I, I should know that. It's a little different because my personal collection, I, I probably have like three or 400, but okay. most of, some of, but some of my collection is we have one at, at NFL films at work and that's probably, you know, a couple thousand books, you know? So, okay. um, so I've kind of like some duplicates I kept like the, the ones that, that were mine. So I sort of incorporated my library. So it was probably like double that. But because your house is only so big, <laughs> and you can only display so many books at time, and so 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 it's kind of a combo. Like, but I have you know, like it probably doesn't sound like much when you say you know three or four hundred, but it, it, um, but okay. between that and work, you know, like that I've sort of you know combined you know some of the ones that, you know that we we have a huge uh, you know sort of one there at NFL Films, so 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 combo there. See, I'm 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 facing. I'm facing that dilemma right now because I'm uh, we're we're moving to Southport, North Carolina, probably the end of summer, beginning of summer, end of summer, depending on on a few factors. And I'm looking at my books, my media guides, and other assorted publications, and I'm looking at probably like two thousand to three thousand pieces. And <laughs> uh, the the cost to move it. And because of now with the higher diesel costs and everything, the cost of our move is astronomical right now. So at any time, somebody could get a box from me, and you're going to know what you're going to get. You're going to get something that I have that I and it's too expensive for me to move this way. Anyways, but I was just curious, I was just curious to see um, how many you actually have, because I, I separated mine from paperbacks to hardcovers, and then I further separated them, those that I have dust jackets on, and those that I don't, and then um, my media guide collection, I, I bought and sold a lot of media guides over the years. But I do like I do like media guides because to me they're very historical. 
uh, reading <laughs> and, uh, you know, wealth of information there, to say the least. But, okay, I, I, I didn't mean to get off script, but I, I, was just, I was curious to ask you that because being an author, obviously, most authors that I know have nice libraries at home, so uh, it's good. good to hear. Yeah. Chris, again, thanks for being on the show. I think the last time you were on, were you, were, you were talking about your Red Grange book, was it? Uh, yeah, I, I think it, 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 uh, it hadn't come out yet, but I was, I was you know, making research trips and, and, and sort of putting it together. So uh, a, it, came, it, came, out, it came, out yeah, came out in 2019 when NFL was 100 seasons. So, um, so I think the last time I was on, I was you know, kind of like what I'm, what I'm doing now. So uh, we sort of talked about, you know, it's going to be coming out. Yeah. What a great book. That was just, I'm a, I'm a massive Red Grange fan collector. So, I mean, uh, yeah. So, I mean, to, to have a book on one of my favorite subjects was awesome. Um, so your new book, Bronco Nagurski, just uh, number three, Chicago Bears, you know, teammate of Red Grange. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. How you, you know, how you pick a subject, how you gather all your information, the writing process. Yeah, I mean, uh, this one was probably was probably the, I mean the most diff- different sort of idea that came about. You know, um, most of my ideas, uh, you know, I'm sort of passionate about the subject, and you know, I know like you know the Columbus Panhandle book or Joe Carr. I mean, they were from Columbus, Ohio, so I knew I wanted to write about sort of that history. You know, but with Bronco, it was a little different because I didn't plan to to write a Nagurski book. You know, what happened was Tony Nagurski, the son uh, of Bronco, for the Red Grange book, you know, you know, he, he you know, had some little bit of research, and then, um, and then he gave me an interview. And so I started, you know, a, a sort of connection there. Uh, and then he read the Red Grange book at the end of 2019. And he always wanted to see his uh, father's story in print. You know, there was uh, one book done by Jim Dent, um, I, I want to say 2006. 2005, 2004, somewhere in there, or early 2000s, I think it was, and and it was okay. He, he thought it was, you know, it was a, a, an okay effort. It was a lot of the same story, you know, you know, uh, you know, the plow story. He runs into the brick wall at Wrigley Field, you know, and, and he comes back in 1943 <laughs> after you know seven years in wrestling. So, and it, you know, it's got some fun stories, but it also frustrated him and me too with reading because I think Jim Dent's a really good writer. But he sort of had a lot of made-up language, and that was not I, – I don't like that. Like, you know, I'll give me the ball, I'm going to get this touchdown, like, in the huddle. Like, well, Bronco never said that. You know, he, he would never talk in the huddle, you know. So, um, so so Tony wanted to see his story. So he reached out to me in, uh, in like, December of 2019, and we talked about it, and we sort of, sort of got on the same page. And then that sort of led to me – and especially with the research, you know, um, like the best thing about grains is – so much stuff written about him. There was so much stuff, you know, available. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, he, he passed away. But, you know, um, but he, the family, was going to be able to give me a, a lot of the research and the material. So once that happened, I was like, okay, I have to do this. I can't pass up. You know, I'm always, I'm always looking for, you know, if I'm doing, you know, these passionate projects, I want to find great research. Well, this is great research right here. You know, there were scrapbooks, there was letters, there was, uh, you know, files that they had kept and stuff. So. Uh, and Tony had allowed me to look at anything, and, and then, um, and then the interview, the, the the sons and daughters. Actually, Bronco had six children. Uh, uh, Bronco Jr. was the oldest. He had passed away in 2011, but the other five were still living. So I was able to interview them, you know, through this process. So, um, so that's how it came about, you know, wow. you know, and uh, like I said, it's been a really good opportunity. Uh, like I said, hopefully I do you know, him justice. You know, I mean, if you read the grades book. It, it won't be quite that super detailed just because I really wanted to do Red Grange in a detailed manner. That was like over 500 pages. Uh, this one will be, a, 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 you know, closer in the three, 325 range, you know, so, but, um, but very good research and like that the material has been tremendous. So that's how it came about. That, that, that 325 includes the, uh, you know, includes the, uh, like, <laughs> Ah, I was working on a joke for that. Sorry, Chris. That that I, I missed. I was thinking of some sort of, you know, et, et, you know, some sort of connect the dot thing in the middle. But never mind. 
and they, they can't yeah. all be home runs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess you said, yeah, the 325 would include, like, what I call back matter. You're talking, like, the index and notes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but still should be able to plenty of be able to tell his story. Yeah. Well, what a great, what a great subject. Yeah, just cool. And I, and I would obviously be remiss if I didn't ask the question that all of our listeners are thinking right now. When can we expect a very in-depth thousand-page book on Steve Largent, Seahawk Gray? <laughs> well, I, I think going back to 2012, you know, when I appeared on the show, you asked me that same thing. So, so what was it? That's about what nine years later. Um, <laughs> uh, you might be you might be waiting a little bit longer, you know. All right. uh, so, so it's probably not the answer you want to hear, Joe. Uh, um, I'm a, I think I'm a patient man, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I think he's worthy of it. Um, uh, when, when you deal with, uh, I mean, as much as, as you have players that are living, you know, it, it would be really nice to be able to sit down with Steve and interview him about his entire career and his life. So, uh, but that's always a little bit more difficult task, you know. So, um, if you, uh, to, to if somebody, you get an interview with somebody, Steve Largent, yeah. And, and, and you need someone to come and help hold the microphone or take notes or set up, uh, I'm, I'm, your, I'm your guy. I'm your Huckleberry, Chris. Okay. I'll, 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 you're on the West Coast, too, so I, I, you know, you're close, so, yeah. Yeah. I think he lives in Oklahoma now. I, I forget. He, he's from Oklahoma. I think he went back. But anyways. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think he's living there now. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully before I die, I'll read that book. So... Uh... <laughs> Get it out. Unbelievable. You know, it's, it's got to be, again, off script, it's got to be incredible speaking to family members of, of these legends, yeah. and uh, yeah. especially with Nagurski's family, because, they, you know, they're really, the, the, the people you've written about, the time frame you've written about, to me, is just so overlooked, because... A, people can't relate to it because they don't, you know, they don't really bother with history, especially the history of the game. But at the same time, the family members got to be utterly frustrated when, you know, their, you know, father, uncle, whatever, did so much for the game, and there's literally no recognition whatsoever, or even a history of what they did, you know. So the void you're filling is just incredible, you know, and and especially with the Nagurski. I really don't know of anything that's really been written on him over the years in any way, shape, or form, with the, with the exception of a handful, you know, a couple chapters here and there in different books, and that's about it, you know. It's amazing. No, it's, yeah, I appreciate that question, Bob. Like, that's one of the main goals why I, you know, I do what I do, and I love what I, you know, I try to do these projects, because uh, as much as I love the game today, like, I, you know, I've worked 25 years at NFL Films, uh, every now it's you know Thursday, you know Sunday, Monday, some Saturday games. I'm watching you know every NFL game, and it's great. You know the game, the game's great, the players are great. You know, like the, there's you know there's some bumps in the road, but for the most part, I still enjoy today's game, and the players are great. They're, you know, um, and even when I was growing up in the '70s and '80s, nights, like all those players are great. You know, you know Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, my two favorite players, are great. You know, yeah. but I think most people know about them, you know, like that, although certain generations start to, you know, like that, you know, even people, do they know who Terry Bradshaw or Roger Stark, but, and that was makes NFL films great for the last 50 plus years is we were a visual sport. You know, we show the highlights, we show you, you know, you can, we have players, mic, we have sound, you know, you have all the Super Bowls and it's, and the history is great to that, but there is also 50 years before the Super Bowl started that is just as valuable and, and, uh, um, educational and, and you learn you can you learn that history and, and that's the history that fascinates me and like i said i can write about anything you know i've like said i've written seven books this will be book eight uh, only one of them is sort of a modern tale i wrote about one of my favorite teams right. 84 right. 49ers and but like i love joe montana but you know what i'd rather write about Bronco mcgursky um in red grange and, and go in depth and find whatever i can because i think it's worth it i think that preserving that history and telling those stories, you know, like that, you know, I don't know how many books I'll sell, you know, and, but that doesn't matter. Like, you know, hopefully people will read them and then hopefully people 10 years from now, 20 years from now, like I still read books, you know, you know, that were written 50 years ago. One of my favorite books is 
game that was um, written by Myron mm-hmm. Coke was an oral history book. You know, he, oh, yeah. the pub's nineteen the pub's nineteen seventy, fifty one years ago. Yep. But he was and like that. I, I was just born a little bit later, <laughs> and I would have loved to sit down with Red Grange and you know uh, you know Clark Hinkle and Johnny Blood and Joe Guyon and those players that he wrote chapters about. You know, you know, even when I did the Dutch Clark, you know, I you know I I listened to the you know to those interviews and stuff. So it was. Those things are, you know, like I said, you know, educational and they're valuable, and I think it's worth telling, you know, to a new, you know, new generation or, or, or newer fans. Um, you know, like I said, take nothing away from the new, new, like I said, the new players or like I said, you know, Patrick Mahomes is great, but there's going to be an entire record of his entire career on film, on TV, you know, through interviews of Patrick Mahomes. Well, we don't have that. Like you mentioned, like some of the projects, like, like nobody's written a book about Don Hudson, you know, like he's yeah. maybe the second, second greatest receiver of all time. And there's not a book he had, and, and there hasn't been a book in a hundred, you know, or I guess he started 1935. So, you know, 85 years since he retired, <laughs> 75 and nobody still has written a book about Don Hudson, you know? So, uh, so there's right, still right. plenty of stories to be told, plenty of projects like that, like that. And, that's like that. I, I just love that era, you know, uh, as much as I, I love the new era. Um, that's where it came from. That's why I can enjoy it so much. You know, you know, you know. I have, I'm fortunate to, to work with NFL Films for a long time, and because of these players, and and and, and um, not to talk about, but like you mentioned, when I talk to the family, it's great. Like you know, I don't get to talk to to Red Grange. You know, he didn't he didn't have any children, but I was able to meet some nieces. And, and, and some great, great niece and, and some nephews, like, they were great to talk. I get that's about as close as I'm going to get, you know, thank you with Bronco, like the children, and I get to know them a little bit better, you know, you know through those conversations, you know. So, because uh, there are some, you know, like, when I did the panhandle, those families were so great to talk to me. They were like, we haven't talked about my dad's football career in, like, 50 years, you know, like, or my grandfather. They, yeah. or, or they yeah. learn more, they, or they dig through something, they find a photo or, you know, they go through the scrapbooks or something. And they find more information, and they say, "Hey, look, this might be useful." And I didn't know my grandfather did that, you know. And and it, it's just very rewarding to, to hear and to see. So, well, Don Hudson, well, that's a name. You're 100 percent right. That's a guy I I know, but I don't I don't know the details. You know, it, I mean, it's it's so interesting. You you nailed it. Um, uh. My my wife's sister lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I mean, we go visit quite a bit. Uh, you know, like three years ago, I had the privilege of going to a, a you know a, a Gophers game, uh, you know, with them, and just and it's kind of fun to look up and you know see number three Nagurski, you know, in the you know around the perimeter of the place. Uh, just just fun, you know. So I mean, when you're when you're researching, you know, books like this, you know, you mentioned interviewing Nagurski's kids. You, you you gotta, you know, have some good stories you bump into. Just you know, stuff that makes you smile. You know, it, even unique for as many books as you've written. Just you know, even unique things happen every book. Oh, absolutely. It, it's I mean, those are the things that you know, the, like the, those are what I call the golden nuggets, you know, or the golden tickets, like or, or something yeah. that's like a, hit, a hidden gem because. Um, you know, you can only, like I said, try to find out as much as you can. But you know, um, you know, but sometimes you you hit a wall, and you're like, oh man, if I knew more a little about this, so or you learn, like with the Red Grange, it was very nice to meet those because one thing that I wrote about in, in that book that you know I was kind of proud of was it was his relationship with his wife. You know, um, Margaret. If you read anything else about Red and, and Margaret, oh. He married uh, a stewardess, and they were married for 49 years, and, and and that's the story you get. And and if I just took that with a grain of salt and didn't really look into it, I'm like, ah. But when I looked into it, I was like, oh, wait. You know, she graduated from high school. She graduated with a teaching certificate to be a teacher, you know, but she wanted to see the world. So she went to Chicago, and she uh, she became a nurse because you had to have a nursing certificate and degree to be a, a stewardess, you know, you just weren't, you know, you just, oh, wow, you know, you know, here's a woman, you know, a pretty woman that they hired. No, you actually had to study nursing to be a nurse, to be an early stewardess, you know, in, in, the, in the late 1930s and 1940s. So she was, like, highly educated, you know, a very accomplished woman when she met Red. And so, I, but if I just took, you know, the 
one article that I found didn't investigate. So those are the hidden gems that you kind of flesh out. And sometimes you get that from um, a family member, like you didn't know, or you learn stories and stuff, um, or you learn a little bit more, and it leads you in another direction, and you investigate there. So, uh, so I do agree with you. That's perfect thing, Joe. Is like you get to learn some certain things that might not necessarily um, uh, you know, be readily available, or if you, you only read only one or two articles, you know. Like, do his kids, do Nagurski's kids, do they have memorabilia, you know, of their dad? I mean, one of the greatest football players, you know, I mean, for the Bears, for the NFL. I mean, you know, do do, do they collect stuff? Is there, you know, is there, yeah, it's it's, it's got to be interesting. I, I've always wondered stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing about Broncos kids, they don't have hardly any memorabilia. They, they, they have the scrapbook and the letters and and. and Article, tons of that stuff that that, that Tony sent me. Uh, because you might know, you might forget now, uh, when he passed away, they made the Bronco Nagurski Museum. It's like the only museum dedicated to an individual. <laughs> there might be something on Jim Thorpe in Oklahoma. but So they donated a lot of his memorabilia to that museum. So if you go to International Falls, you know, which is in the middle of nowhere up there, you get to Minnesota, so you might want to venture up to you know, International Falls. <laughs> um, there's a museum that has, like, his Hall of Fame jacket, his Hall of Fame ring. You know, some of, uh, I think there's a, a number three jersey you mentioned, the Bears. So there's a lot of that. So I think his wrestling belt and stuff like that is, is on display there. Um, and it's a, it's a very good, like I said, it's a small town, so to, to see those. Uh, so they would have some of that stuff, but because they wanted to honor their father in this way, you know, sort of, uh, you know, make it educational, you know, for, for kids to be able to see what, you know, he's the greatest person to ever come out of international policy, or, or, you know, most famous, especially in athletic uh, accomplishments. Um, uh, that stuff is on display there. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't wow. know that most of their personal collections went to that museum. See, that that's that's very selfless. That's pretty cool. Amazing. Chris, question for you. And I'm sure for a lot of people, in my opinion, you get a dream job. You go to work at NFL Films every day. What's it like? What, what, what do you actually do there? Um, you know, give, give us a sampling of what, what your typical day may be, both in-season and off-season. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been fortunate, like I said, it's uh, 25 years now, this, this past February, uh, of being able to, um, to work in NFL Films. Uh, was hired pretty much yeah. out, out of grad school at a, from a high state uh, to run the research library. You know that was what they hired me for. You know, so they were just starting uh, a tape library um, there uh, in 1996, and uh, and we had a print library. We still have the print library, and so um, so my day to day is mainly you know doing as, as much as I can to, to help our producers and. Um, get the research that they need, you know, you know, uh, if it's footage, um, then sort of steer them to, to what they need. So if they get a project, Hey, they're doing the Steve Largent football life. Where's all the, where's yes. the best footage? Where's, where's the interviews? <laughs> where's the off uh, off field shoots? You know, you know, we, we, we've, we've covered him pretty good. So I just sort of steer them towards that. And then if they want print material, you know, like that, we have books, magazines, newspapers, uh, media guides, like we have all that, all that type of stuff available. You know, you know, some of it is available online. You know, whether it's like Sports Illustrated articles, but some a lot of stuff's not online. You know, so you could, you know, uh, you know. So we still we still want that available to them. So, um, and then I check scripts. You know, like there's a lot of day to day stuff. You know, you can check scripts. Um, I I don't edit quite as much like this. I'm, I'm not a true producer, but I have done some editing. So so you so I've worked on like the, uh, the Hard Knock show on HBO. Uh, um, uh, our draft. Uh, VODs, you know, um, and things like that, you know, all, all or nothing that was on Amazon. So every once in a while, you know, depending on staff needs, uh, I might get plugged in to, to, to do a project like that. So uh, so on the day-to-day, you know, as I said, just try to contribute as much as I can to, to, to making the shows better and, and to finding, you know, new, especially new research, you know, you know, for the shows. Now, does the, does the library actually have, like, at the library actually have, like, um, for example, complete run of, let's say, sporting news from the 60s to into the, the 80s with the football sections, pro football weekly, stuff like that? Or is it, is it uh, more um, 
micro microfilm or whatever type of film? No, no, no. It, we don't we don't really have anything on microfilm. Um, it's all you know, like print, all, all original. Uh, we don't have like wow. complete runs. Wow. Uh, I, we, we we pretty much had a complete run of Sports Illustrated until like the last couple of years, you know when it went to like you know one issue a month or whatever. Uh, okay. So I do get the pro football preview every year, you know. So, but we pretty much have a complete run of Sports Illustrated, but we have a decent amount just because NFL films didn't get started. Like our our media guides really start like in the late sixties. We tried to fill in the gap uh, with media guides or yearbooks. Uh, I mean, that stuff can, can be, as you guys know, in the memorabilia, that stuff can be expensive. <laughs> so we've tried to fill in the gap. Same thing with sport magazines. You know, like Steve has this huge collection of the sports magazines at the time uh, from like the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Then he slowed down, you know. So uh, uh, mm-hmm. I, I tried to fill in the gaps a little bit in certain areas, you know. So, But um, but we're not quite at that level to where we have complete runs. But we do have like Pro Football Weekly, Football Digest, you know, all that, all that you know, we have some of it to where, you know, you know, if, if, if there are needs, I don't have to, you know, you know, bug the Pro Football Hall of Fame to try to get articles that we really would like, <laughs> you know. So, um, uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a good library, like I said, um, and it does it does it does the job of what we need. So. Wow, I, I can only I can only imagine if I worked in something like that, I would I would be. They'd be in heaven. Wow. I mean, incredible. You know, pull out a, a pro football weekly from 1967 or whatever type of thing. Just yeah. a, that, that amazes me. Truly amazes me. Well, let's, let's Bob, make, you're the publisher uh, of Gridiron. You're the publisher of Gridiron Greats. You, you've got the dream job most people dream of. I would say that, yeah, we do have a, I would say that we do have a complete run of Gridiron Greats from issue number one with you right. on it. There is that. Oh, no way. Library. Yes, this is completely That's honest. really cool. That's really cool. I, 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 I like it. I, I think I was a, a, a charter describer. I, I think we have them from, yeah, from Newt Rocky, the, 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 the uh, issue well, one, all the, way, all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I remember huh. uh, when, I, when, I took, when I took it over, um, Steve's name was on it. Um, that he was, at, they, were, he was, they were subscribing to it. And then when you took mm-hmm. over, and I remember, and I and I, I remember when Steve passed. Then I, then I, and I'm pretty sure I was sending you the, the copies also. I, I don't remember now, but I said, "Wow, NFL Films uh, takes on GG, so that's pretty cool." I know the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame has a complete run of Gridiron Greats also. So, um, but Greg Tratner helped them with with that because I know he donated some of the early issues to them. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Good. So, so they'll, they'll live there forever. So that's really cool, Chris. Chris, kind of two two parter. I, I wanted to flip these around. Are are, are you a collector? I mean, because you know, like when I think of Nagurski, when I think you know, of, you know, it's the thirty five chickle set. When I think of you know Grange, all kinds of things come to my mind. But you know, either the thirty three Sports King or his twenty six Balding. I mean, are you? You familiar with it, all that you collect? I mean, anything? I, I mean, it's kind yeah, of hard. I, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty familiar with everything. Uh, I, I could say it's been, I have probably two careers or two lifetimes. I was a, a, a big collector pretty much, well, I would say big collector, but I, I, but I collect top cards every year. You know, I would buy them and try to build the sets. I like doing that. Um, and then because I was so close to the Hall of Fame, I, I would, I would, get extra Hall of Fame cards, and when I would go up there for induction weekend, I would try to get autographs. I'd love autographs. And thank you with books. One of my big things, which was really nice in the 80s, you could do today, probably real impossible to do, is I could write the Hall of Famers, either through the Hall of Fame or if you find an address. Sports Collectors Digest sometimes would list guys' addresses. Wow. And I would write to Hall of Famer and say, because uh, – uh, my dad kind of said, I think you can get two autographs. So what I would do is I would write to, like, Johnny and I, hey, I have your book, you know, titled whatever, I would like you to autograph. Would it possible I could send you the self-addressed sound envelope? You wouldn't have to pay for it. So they would write me back. So I have letters, like, quick notes that say, you know, oh, yeah, just send the book and I'll sign it for you, Johnny and I. And, and I would mail the book and then he would sign it to Chris. You know, like, all my books are signed to Chris. That's what you whatever. 
So I would have this nice little letter, and then I would get the book back, in, you know, another couple of weeks. You know, I send the book back and, and stuff. So, um, so I collected a lot through pretty much you know, through college. Um, then when you had the boom in 88, 89, 90, 91, I kind of sort of stopped collecting cards um, because it was just too much and it was too expensive. And I was just like, you know what, I, I, like, I like the print material more, the programs, um, newspapers, magazines, uh, you know, uh, photos. And um, uh, uh, so now I, I don't collect much of it because the stuff I like is, is too expensive. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, early – Early, as you guys know, in early NFL stuff and you know twenties and thirties stuff, it, it's not it's not cheap to, to find. It, they're hard to find to begin with, yep. so it's usually pretty expensive. Um, uh, so the only thing I kind of collect now is photos. Uh, a lot of times because I can use them with my book projects, like a lot, like a few of the green yeah. stuff. If you look through that that photo spread, some of them were these unique ones that you know that nobody owned or in public domain or whatever, and I was able to get them, and they just they just make the book so much better to make my research so much better. Um, so I, so I lean towards that. And then red grain, born stormy tour, obviously pretty expensive stuff. So, which I'm kind of, sometimes I don't have a lot of extra money. <laughs> uh, everyday life gets in the way. So if something came up, I'm like, okay, that's too expensive. Okay. I feel better about it. <laughs> you know? well, when, you, um, when you write that Steve Largent book, Chris, when you write that Steve Largent book, feel free to reach out for me and, I will give you everything I got on loan and let let you use it, permissions and everything for the book. Yeah. So, <laughs> thank you. But, uh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, you, well, you glazed well, I, right over that, didn't you? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, so like that, I have some of the tour programs and tour tickets and, and a lot of photos. So, um, so that's what I collect now. Right. And it, for books, I mean, you you kind of mentioned that you're like. You know, I, you know what I collect. You know, sometimes goes in the book, sometimes not. I mean, uh, like you you mentioned earlier, what your favorite book you know was, and you know you've touched. I, I love Monsters of the Midway. You know, one that you touched on earlier. It's, it's like of the books you've written. I mean, I guess it's like asking what your favorite child is. But uh, you know, of your books you're written, you know, which one's your favorite? Which one do you which one do you think is is the best? Um, I know I, I like that. I, mean, I don't mind getting that question. Um, uh, and it's actually kind of easy, like I said. I don't want to take away from 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 any of them, really, like you said, because I think they all have some value and some some educational, you know. And and, and um, but no, there's two that are my favorites, and um, very heads and shoulders above the uh, you know some of the other ones. Uh, uh, the first one is the Joe Carr book that I wrote, um, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. former president president of the NFL. Um, because I got to know um, the grandson of Joe Carr from Columbus, which is my hometown. The NFL office building is still there where he worked out of, you know, I walked by it growing up all the time at Broaden High and then figured it out that was it after research. But that just writing that book, because I didn't think there was as much written, um, like uh, one of the other good books that probably is Michael McCambridge's America Game. And he picked up sort of like around World War II, but nothing – was written about Joe Carr in that early years as, as much. So, so writing about his life and preserving his life and writing about the NFL in the 20s and 30s, it just was a tremendous experience, and, and it's one of my fa- favorite favorite projects. Probably Project 1. I have 1 and 1A, and it came out so well. I, I, I thought my writing was a little better at that time, and, and it just came at the right time. Um, so the Carr biography, which came out in 2010, and then the Red Grange biography in 2019 you know yes. I, I wanted I set out to write I actually had to scale that back by like almost 100 pages like I wanted to write the definitive biography of Red so I tried to you know find as much as I could that was almost 20 years in the making like I started collecting really collecting Red you know when I started at the films like in 1998 uh, when eBay kind of just started that was like the first things I bought on eBay because back then in 1998 you couldn't find this stuff. You know, like you couldn't find a lot of mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. stuff. You know, whether it's photos or movie stuff or you know the board swimming tour stuff or just just some item research items. You know, and now you can find it all day. It's on there a lot more. But back then, so I was like, oh, that's great. That's only five bucks. It's only like you know people were just trying to sell anything, and you know, and 
and I was gathering all that stuff, which paid off when I, when I wrote the book, because I was like, you know what, <laughs> um, you know, and so that project was near near to my heart. Like, like I always knew I was probably going to write something on Red, and the NFL's 100th season was like the perfect tie-in. My publisher liked the tie-in. He's the first sort of NFL superstar who did all these things, and um, so the car biography and the Red Grain one, like, they're they're a little bit above, you know, you know, probably you know, some of the other ones, just because of the time I spent, and they're they're both in depth, you know, um, um, and like that. So those those would be my two favorites. Good choice. Wow. I like it. And great. And I, I I agree with you that the ten year the ten year goal you got to plant that flag on goals the the ten year goal for the the largent book. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep that. Okay, we're running out of time. Final yeah. thoughts and any advice for a beginning writer or a beginning collector of football? Yeah, I, I mean, I probably said this. You might have asked me that before, but I, I think the key is just to find something you're passionate about. Like, like if you you want to collect Steve Largent and you're passionate about Steve Largent, then go do it. You know, whether you're a collector or whether you're a writer, you know, like don't worry about what people might say or worry about how many people might read it. Like if you want to write something, you know, uh, uh, about, you know, Don Hudson or, you know, Mel Hines, or you want to write something, you know, about Bobby Lane or, or, or Joe Montana, like if you're passionate about it or about the, you know, the, the, the 1960 Jets or whatever, like if you're passionate about it, that'll come out. It'll come out in your collecting It'll come out in your writing, you know, because you'll go the extra yard. I think you go the extra effort just to find certain things or, or to dig and find something. You'll you'll spend, you know, an extra two or three hours on newspapers.com trying to, you know, find newspaper clippings, you know, if you're passionate about it. So that's what I always tell young writers or young or even young collectors, like, hey, if you're passionate about it, then, then, then that's the reason to do it because you love it, you like spending the time to do it. And you're finding things that you you you, you enjoy. So uh, so that's what I would say. Good, very point. true. Great advice. Great advice. Well, Chris, thank you for being on yet again, and uh, we're really looking forward to your book on uh, Nagurski. It's, I'm sure it's going to be uh, another great uh, historical write-up, and a lot of unknown information will be coming to light once again. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be a, a big hit. Thanks for being on, and we'll be in touch. No, thanks, thanks for having me, Joe and Bob. You guys are always great to talk to. Like that, uh, we should do this a little bit more often. But uh, I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you, right. Chris Willis, author, coming out with a new book on Bronco Nagurski. Joe, we're going to go into our two-minute warning and wrap up. We're going to hand off to you what you pick up on tonight's show. What a great guy! Seriously, he's 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 doing the Lord's work here, writing books about the people that we all want to know about. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of my favorite books are by Chris. I just, I love it. I, I, I have a really stunned when you rattled off the dates, Bob, that it had been that long since you've been on the show. Cause it, it seems like we yep. bump into, I guess, it, I guess it's just cause his book is still, you know, his Grange book is still on my nightstand. It's, you know, tucked up away, but I, I see it all the time. Uh, it's interesting. And what, I, what I'm even more amazed about is I've known Chris for over 28 years now, and it just seems like yesterday uh, with the newsletter starting, and here's a guy who just wrote articles for me and uh, the newsletter, and he's uh, one of the one of the best authors around for, for this type of uh, NFL and football history books. It's just, it's just incredible, truly yeah. incredible to me. It's, it's just amazing. I'm very humbled by it by knowing him and I'm very humbled by the whole process uh, since I started writing about football memorabilia back in 80, 89, 90 and you're going on 30, 32 plus years now I've been writing about it so it's a heck of a long time amazing, truly amazing yeah. real quick if you're yeah. not a subscriber to Gridiron Greats Magazine what are you waiting for? GridironGreatsMagazine.com 30 seconds final thoughts Ah, always great to be back on the show with you, Captain. Best seat in the house, sir. Thank you, Joe. And we'll be back probably next week with another show. Until that time, 
Thanks for listening. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.